Welcome to Board Cards, the number one board prep podcast on the internet. Boop, 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 boop. Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Scott. I hope you guys enjoyed the new intro. You know, I'm just, you know, testing a few things out, making it different. But this is going to be part two of our three-part series, all on cardiology. Let's get started. The first card, which I have yet to learn how to pronounce, uh, starts with Allagel and Noonan syndromes are both associated with what cardiac abnormality? Answer is pulmonary stenosis, or PS. Allagel syndrome, caused by an absence of or mutation in the JAG1 gene, primarily affects the liver but also has cardiac manifestations. They include peripheral and branch PS in 67% of patients and tetralogy of the fallow in 7-16% of patients. Noonan syndrome is a genetic congenital disorder due mostly to mutations of the PTPP11 or SOS1 gene that affects many parts of the body. 50-60% of children with Noonans have PS. Next card. A four-day-old newborn presents in apparent septic shock, but on exam and laboratory, you find four things. First is a systolic murmur at the right upper sternal border. Second is early systolic injection click. Third is pulses are diminished. And a fourth, the chest x-ray shows marked cardiomegaly with severe pulmonary edema. Question is, what is the most likely cardiac abnormality? It's aortic stenosis, or AS. The infant with severe congenital AS presents early with a systolic murmur at the right or left upper sternal border with an early systolic injection click. Perfusion and pulses are diminished, and the infant appears to be in septic shock. Administration of PGE1 can be helpful by opening an inductus to provide blood flow to the aorta. This is followed by either balloon angioplasty of the aortic valve or surgical valvuplasty. Next card. A 10-year-old boy presents as a new patient in your clinic with the following. A crescendo-decrescendo harsh systolic murmur, best heard at the upper right sternal border, which radiates into the suprasternal notch and neck. He also has a systolic injection click at the apex. And lastly, a suprasternal notch thrill. What is the most likely diagnosis? I'd just like to point out two words. I'm not sure if I pronounced correctly. Um, Suprasternal. Suprasternal. Actually, I think I'm pronouncing that right, but it's just just sounds weird so anyways decrescendo or sorry crescendo decrescendo harsh stillic murmur best heard at the right upper stone burner radiates into the suprasternal notch and neck systolic injection click at the apex and suprasternal notch thrill what does he have again aortic stenosis as as when not critical may be overlooked if the child is not examined carefully as the child grows symptoms may worsen and the murmur and thrills become more prominent However, realize that physical findings are not very reliable in predicting the severity of the AS. A child with AS, especially if symptomatic, like syncope and chest pain, need to be referred for further evaluation, like an echo and or cardiac catheterization. If significant, AS is documented. 
or sorry, if significant AS is documented, treat with either balloon dilation of the aortic valve or surgery. Next card. A 17-year-old falls out while playing basketball. On exam, you find the following. First is a grade 4 over 6 crescendo-decrescendo systolic murmur at the left mid-sternal border radiating to the right upper sternal border. He also has a palpable thrill over precordium. He also has the murmur gets louder with Valsalva or standing up from a supine position. And lastly, the left ventricular hypertrophy on the ECG. What is the most likely diagnosis? It's hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, HCM. HCM is an autosomal dominant disorder with variable expression. It is the most common cause of sudden death in a child athlete. Murmurs are usually harsh. Systolic injection murmurs best heard at the left mid-sternal border, radiating to the right upper, upper sternal border. The murmur of HCM is usually best heard at the left sternal border with potential radiation up to the aortic area depending on the acuity and degree of obstruction. If heard in the aortic area, the murmur must be distinguished from the murmur of aortic stenosis, AS, which is also heard at the right upper sternal border. In HCM, Valsalva and standing increase the murmur, while in AS, these maneuvers decrease the murmur. The ECG is almost always abnormal demonstrating left ventricular hypertrophy. <clears throat> All right, now that that's over, I just want to talk about how I just felt like I was saying the same thing about eight different times. And I have no idea what exactly a murmur is. Next card. What cardiac condition is associated with Williams syndrome? The answer is a supravalvular aortic stenosis. Williams syndrome is associated with supravalvular AS, which is narrowing just above the level of the coronary arteries. Other arteries may also be narrowed in Williams syndrome, including the pulmonary arteries and the renal arteries. Next card asks, what syndrome is associated with true interruption of the aortic arch? This is the guy's name. It's DeGeorge syndrome or DeHorge syndrome. DeGeorge or DeHorge syndrome is associated with a true interruption of the aortic arch. The Fish test, a 22Q11 marker, is the diagnostic test for DeGeorge. next card, a seven-year-old presents with hypertension, radial pulses that are strong compared to the femoral pulses, and lastly, rib notching on the CXR. What is the most likely diagnosis? Well, the patient probably has a coarctation of the aorta, or COA. COA is an obstruction lesion that can present in asymptomatic older children and young adults during a workup of hypertension or murmur. 
If the obstruction is severe, it can present in newborns as heart failure or cardiac or sorry, cardiogenic shock. Next card. Name the four abnormalities that make up tetralogy of fallow, or TOF. Mm, I bet you just named all four. It's the right ventricular outflow tract obstruction, also known as the subpulmonary valve stenosis, um, the ventricular septal defect, the overriding aorta, and lastly, the right ventricular hypertrophy. TOF is the most common cyanotic heart lesion in children with congenital heart lesion disease who have survived untreated hush dog that was Coco the dog sorry <clears throat> TOF is Coco as I was saying TOF is the most common cyanotic heart lesion pardon me one moment folks get out of here all you do is ruin my podcast I'm trying to conduct a professional show here goodness As I was saying, TOF is the most common cyanotic heart lesion in children with congenital heart disease who have survived untreated beyond infancy. It makes up 7-10% of congenital heart defects. Next card. A 3-year-old child adopted from rural China presents with the following. There's 5 symptoms here. Cyanosis on occasion. Second is squats after exertion, cyanosis improves. Then systolic murmur best heard at the left upper sternal border. Fourth is the chest x-ray shows a boot-shaped heart. And lastly, the ECG shows right axis deviation and right ventricular hypertrophy. What is the likely diagnosis? Well, it's tetralogy, tetralogy of fallow. TOF is typically found in the early U.S. and treated with corrective surgery by 6 to 12 months of age. However, an immigrant may present at an older age with unrepaired tetralogy. The four parts of TOF are right ventricular outflow tract obstruction, and this is what is responsible for the murmur. Also, have VST, overriding aorta, and right ventricular hypertrophy. Here's the next one. What is the most common cardiac cause of cyanosis presenting in the first few days of life? It's the complete detransposition of the great AR arteries. Uh, yeah, complete detransposition of the great arteries, D-TGA. Remember that tetralogy of follow is the most common cyanotic cardiac lesion for all ages of children. But complete DTGA is the most common to present in the first few days of life. I'm going to pause here and just mention, if you haven't noticed, all my podcasts are raw and unedited. That's right, you're getting the real life Everett Scott experience here. 
all of my pauses, mispronunciations aren't scripted, and I'm not leaving them out because without those things, this podcast wouldn't be what it is. Continuing on. What is the classic CXR finding in an infant with complete dextrotransposition of the great arteries, DTGA? It's an egg-shaped or oval-shaped heart. CXR can vary from normal to the classic findings. Egg-shaped or oval-shaped heart with a narrow mediastinum due to the aorta being in front of the main pulmonary artery and small thymus. This classic CXR finding, however, is only seen in 33% of infants with complete DTGA. Next card asks, an eight-hour-old infant presents with cyanosis, diminished pulmonary blood flow in a CXR, left superior axis deviation on left ventricular hypertrophy with small right ventricular forces on the ECG. As always, what is the most likely diagnosis? It's tricuspid atresia. Tricuspid atresia presents with cyanosis as its key presenting sign and occurs within hours of birth. When the patent ductus arteriosus begins to close. This differs from the two other common cyanotic diseases, which is tetralgia fallow and dextrotransposition of the great arteries, because of the presence in tricuspid atresia of left superior axis deviation and left ventricular hypertrophy, not right axis deviation and right ventricular hypertrophy as seen in TOF DTGA. Next card. What cardiac condition has the classic CXR that shows a snowman or figure eight silhouette? Well, it's the total anomalous pulmonary venous return. Supracardiac. Supracardiac. Yep. Total anomalous pulmonary venous returns occurs when the pulmonary veins go to either the right atrium or to the other systemic veins that then drain into the RA. The majority of infants present early with tachypnea, yeah, tachypnea, mild cyanosis, and FTT. The snowman finding occurs when the pulmonary vein drains into the left superior vena cava and blood flows then into the innominate vein, where it finally enters the heart through the normal right superior vena cava. Next card asks, what is the most common aortic arch abnormality? It's the aberrant right subclavian artery. The most common aortic arch abnormality is an aberrant right subclavian artery arising from the descending aorta but it rarely causes symptoms. Look for micro deletions on chromosome 22, which is de George locus, in infants with aortic arch abnormalities. Next card. What is the most common symptomatic aortic arch abnormality? It's the double aortic arch. Double aortic arch 
persistence of both right and left fourth embryonic arches is the most common anomaly to cause symptoms. The anomaly results in encircling of the trachea and esophagus, causing tracheal compressions and respiratory symptoms. Look for microdeletions on chromosome 22, DeGeorge Lucas, in infants with aortic arch abnormalities. Next card. A high school basketball player dies while playing in a game. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is ruled out as a cause. What is the next most likely cause of sudden death in a high school athlete? It's anomalous origin of the left coronary artery from the aorta. This occurs when the left most commonly or right coronary arteries come off the opposite coronary cusp of the aorta and pass between the, uh, pass between the aorta and the pulmonary artery. With exercise, both the aorta and pulmonary arteries dilate, which can squish the misplaced coronary artery and cut off its circulation, resulting in syncope and sudden death. That sounds very scary. Next question is a 15-year-old boy presents with four symptoms. The first being chest pain that is relieved by leaning forward. He then has a fever. Third symptom is a pericardial friction rub. And last T, ST segment elevation in most leads on the ECG. What is the most likely diagnosis? It's acute pericarditis. Acute pericarditis is an inflammation of the parietal pericardium and superficial myocardium and occurs with rapid onset. Pericardial friction rub is virtually pathognomonic. That's not, nope. Pathognomonic. That's it. Viral infections are the most likely cause in children. next card reads, what diuretic causes hyperkalemia and, more rarely, gynecomastia? It's spironolactone. Spironolactone is the most commonly used potassium-sparing diuretic, but it can cause hyperkalemia, especially when supplementing potassium or using an ACE inhibitor. Additionally, it has neurohormonal effects that can cause um, gynecomastia. Okay. What is the most common cause of cardiac chest pain in children? It's pericarditis. Pericarditis is described as severe substernal chest pain that is squeezing or tightening in character and is the most common cause of cardiac chest pain in children. Remember that chest pain in children is usually non-cardiac. I feel like that should be like non-cardiactal, you know? But anyway, there's an exclamation mark, so it says, remember that chest pain in children is usually non-cardiac. I still think this should be cardiac, I don't know. All right, next card. This is another diagnosis question, and pay attention because there's six of these guys. All right, so a 12-year-old girl presents with 
a history of episodes of severe, sharp chest pain over the anterior left chest wall. This is the sixth episode in the last two months. Each episode lasts from 30 seconds to two to three minutes and then resolves. It usually occurs at rest. It seems to be worse if she takes a deep breath and she's otherwise a healthy child. What is the diagnosis? It's a precordial catch, also known as benign chest wall pain. Precordial catch is one of the most common causes of chest pain in older children and adolescents. Its etiology is unknown. The condition, benign. Next card. A child presents with mitral valve prolapse with a mid-systolic, or sorry, mid-systolic click and murmur heard best at the apex. What antibiotic prophylaxis does he require before his dental cleaning? Answers none. And that's because the guidelines have changed since 2007. Now, only children with the following should receive antibiotic prophylaxis. And that's those with prosthetic heart valves, previous history of endocarditis, unrepaired cyanotic heart disease, completely repaired heart disease with prosthetic material or device for six months post-procedure, repaired congenital heart disease with a residual lesion, and lastly, those patients with cardiac transplant recipients who develop a volvulopathy. I think I said the last one wrong. Next card. A six-year-old girl presents with chorea, fever, elevated CRP, and arthralgia. Arthralgia. What is the most likely diagnosis? Rheumatic fever. To make a diagnosis of rheumatic fever, you must have either two major manifestations of the Jones criteria or one major and two minor manifestations. The patient has one major, which is chorea, and three minor, which is fever, elevated CRP, and arthralgia manifestations. You must also confirm a recent or concurrent streptococcal infection with either a positive throat screen culture or laboratory data, like an elevated ASO titer. Last card. A 15-month-old girl presents with six days of fever and the following four symptoms. First is conjunctival injection without discharge. Second is arrhythmia anedema of her hands and feet. Third is arrhythmia and cracked peeling lips with a strawberry tongue. And the fourth and last symptom is a skin rash that is macular and widespread. Question is, what cardiac complication do you need to be concerned about with this girl? Answer is coronary artery aneurysms. These findings indicate a diagnosis of 
Kawasaki disease. Coronary artery aneurysms occur in 20-25% to of untreated Kawasaki disease patients. Treatment is with IVIG infusions of 2 grams per kilogram over 12 hours. Low-dose aspirin is also continued for at least 6-8 to eight weeks. And that's it, folks. That wasn't only the last card, you know, for today. That's also the last card of cardio. So I completely lied to you. I thought it would take three podcasts. I only took two. Uh, so thanks for sticking with me. See you guys next time.